0: Good evening my name's David I'm director of CSF and man it is so good to be here with you thanks for coming tonight a little bit more about me in case we haven't met I've got a wife Lindsay and three kids Ethan Samuel and Cora I'm an irrationally passionate Minnesota Vikings fan I'm a bit of a book nut and I also love the outdoors though that last one I didn't realize until I was college aged actually The story behind it is that my family moved to northern Minnesota the week after they moved me into college here at UIS back in 2003. I'd grown up mostly in a small college town in Illinois, Charleston, anyone? Uh, Not much in the way of outdoors besides cornfields. But the summer after my freshman year, I worked at a canoe outfitter near where my folks lived up there, helping train and send teams for canoeing and camping in the boundary waters, which is a huge chain of lakes spanning across Canada and Minnesota. I stayed on site to live and work, and let me tell you, I was green. I had learned I had really like I had to learn so much about canoeing just for myself before I could help anyone else. Even just like carrying a canoe by myself to pack it on a trailer, which was like a very normal thing for Northwoodsmen like It was completely beyond me at first. It was so stretching, but a really good work experience. But the best part of that summer was that I got to live in a cabin with a guy named Jake, who was a super experienced Northwoodsman. Jake took me under his wing and basically taught me everything I know about canoeing and camping. We took crazy adventures on our days off, saw and experienced incredible things. We saw moose the Northern Lights, we ran River Rapids, and so much more. And even like talking about it now, I still feel a little in awe. Like, man, I still can't believe all this stuff I never thought I could do. Like, I got to do that stuff. It was amazing. And I think deep down, we all have that longing, right? Maybe in different ways. It may not be traipsing around the Northwoods, but I do think we all long for a better more meaningful story in some way. It reminds me a little of Ecclesiastes 3.11, where it says, God has set eternity in the human heart. Scripture says that you and I are actually hardwired for something more, a better story. My longing, that feeling isn't just random, it's God-given. Maybe you're here and you feel it acutely tonight. For those of you who are new to campus, maybe you're feeling that as you're finally on your own and are excited to start over in college that better story is finally on the horizon or i suspect most of us feel it due to covid 19 we're ready for a story that doesn't involve sickness suffering and death or at least not masks and hand sanitizer or maybe you feel it in tougher ways below the surface you're asking right now will i always feel lonely does anyone really know me or is shame all i'll ever feel or is healing in a path forward possible or Do I even have a purpose or am I really going to college just to make money or will my boring life ever change? We've all made it through Netflix, Disney Plus and YouTube this year after all, right? Is this really all there is? We all long for a better story, don't we? We have this God-given longing for something more, and what we do with that longing matters. We can choose lots of things to build toward a better story, but if Ecclesiastes is true and God put that longing in us, then perhaps it's worth exploring how faith could answer this question. For the first three weeks of the semester, we're going to be journeying together in a teaching series entitled Framework. The idea behind it is that the kind of faith that actually works, the kind that is life-changing in college and beyond, is built on a framework of three essential pillars. And if you've been around CSF, then these will be familiar because they're so important. Tonight, I'm going to share about the first thing. It's one word. It's a simple word that I'm going to try to unpack. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you haven't. It's a word that may have lots of meanings for you. Some might associate it with a style of music, or maybe you think of ducking a street preacher trying to whack you over the head with it, or it may not mean anything to you, especially if you aren't from a church background. On the other hand, you may have heard it a thousand times and it has lost its potency for you, though I sincerely hope that isn't the case. Some might even describe it as a churchy word, but when it was originally used, it was a very normal word. The word is gospel. It's actually derived from the Greek word evangelion. You can say that with me. It means good tidings or good news, like literally news, a country winning a war, or there's an account in ancient literature of a politician being elected and receiving the evangelion from a good news messenger. It referred to instances of joy, even marriage and birth announcements. It was genuinely good news. Now, I don't know about you, but if I pull out my phone here, if I I opened up my news feed right now, I guarantee it would be anything but joyful. COVID-19, racism, economic downturn, violence, political fighting and corruption, the list goes on. But what if a better news, a better story really did exist, something we were actually invited into together here today? I believe that the gospel is that. In fact, I'm in good company. Many of you are here tonight because you believe this. Churches in and around Springfield sacrifice time in prayer, energy, resources, supporting CSF because they believe it matters. And not just here, but people all over the world from Hong Kong to Haiti to Peru to Pakistan believe it matters, meaning they've lived their lives centered around it, even dying because of this good news, like as is the case in Afghanistan right now. So what is it? And why does it actually matter? Whether you've heard it 300 times or this is your first time, what difference does the gospel make? We're going to take a brief look through scripture to gain some answers. Tonight, I hope by the end, you not only understand what it is as a whole, but that you can see that at the center of it is a person, Jesus, who invites each of us, no matter who we are or where we're from, into this better story with him. Why don't we pray? And then we'll jump into the scriptures together. Jesus, we pray that you would lead and direct us tonight as we open your word. Help us to hear from you. Thank you for this good news that we can center our lives around. Um, thank you for this time we can be together. We love you and we trust you, and we just lift it up to you. Um, help us to listen well um, to what you want to say to us. We pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so the gospel. Essentially, it's the story of God as seen in the scriptures. In CSF, we believe in the authority of scripture, which means when trying to know and follow Jesus, we take our cues um, from this. So tonight, I figured I'd just read the whole thing to you. Is that cool? (laughs) So I'm a dad, and my humor head's in that direction, so just be prepared. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, in CSF, we have a summary we like to use for the gospel that I'll use tonight. You can follow along with some notes in the pages. You can also, in our CSF app, if you go under the resources resources tab, I've put the, the gospel summary card that we like to use in there as well. So, and there will be an abridged version kind of on the screen for that too. But the more you study scripture, really, the more you see the gospel story clearly, just like any story, it has a beginning. In Genesis 1, we see God creating forming something from nothing, the world and everything in it, being the author of all history, including ours. I've included some um, scripture references for you to look at on your own time. Um, You can see those in the gospel card and on your sheet. One of the key texts you'll see from Genesis is 1 verse 26. God says something really important for us, something that if we believe it can form the foundation of our identity. In the midst of his creation, God said, let us make mankind in our image. In CSF, we believe in God creating everything, including you, that you are made in the image of God, no matter who you are, where you're from, your family, major, wealth, skin color, politics, introvert, extrovert, the creator of the universe thought of you. You have God-given worth, value, and dignity. Man, what would change? about how you viewed yourself, other people, how you talk to others on social media, how you look at yourself in the mirror if you believe this, if I believe this all the time. Because it's something to be lived, the Genesis account shows that God gave his image bearers purpose. He created boundaries, rules, and order, helping us to know him and function as we were created in a way that reflected him. Because of this, God's original plan or his glorious standard, as Romans 3.23 calls it, was perfect because he is perfect and we were meant to reflect him totally. Now, as we all know, every good story has conflict or crisis, even the gospel, this good news, this better story has it. If we move on from Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 3 is the account of Adam and Eve abandoning God's plan for their lives and ultimately God through one simple choice. And this is God's love that they, nor do we, have to accept that we were created in his image with a purpose. We have a choice, as is always the case, in real love. But making that first choice to sin, as scripture calls it, came with an avalanche of subsequent choices from the rest of mankind, from then till now, to live apart from God and his way. This is what we call the fall, and we're all a part of it. Romans 3.23 speaks of this saying, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And because we've rebelled against God's good way for us to live, this God who thought of us from the beginning, we now live in a broken world, a world impacted by our constant pushing against how we were made to function as God's image bearers within it. And I don't think that it's hard to see that the world is broken. Pandemics weren't in the garden racism wasn't in the garden, dishonesty and corruption, violence, hatred, fear, pride, lust, poverty, cats. I think it's true. Okay. Maybe not that one, but the gospel not only informs our identity, but it also explains what I think we can all plainly see and feel. We feel the fall. Like every time we feel lonely, did you know you were made for relationship and community? That's God's design. We live in a world where we're more connected than ever through things like our phones, through technology, but are simultaneously more isolated than ever. We were meant for a relationship with God and with other people, but often we just feel lonely. That's the fall. Or every time we feel overwhelmed, trying to balance a new class schedule and feeling not up to snuff or seeing COVID-19 continue to impact our world or We have friends in Haiti dealing with government upheaval, infrastructure collapse, and now a major earthquake last week. That's so overwhelming. That's the fall. Or maybe you feel stuck in a struggle or addiction. Maybe COVID-19 has made this even harder. Pornography, alcohol, substance abuse. I think we also see and feel that the world is broken and that we are, every time we try to do the right thing, but come up short, I don't want to lose my temper on my wife or kids, but I do. I don't want to hold a grudge, but I do. I don't do the things I know I should do or frankly tell others they should do. And Paul talks about this in Romans seven nineteen. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. This is the fault where sin exists, and now nothing works right, and we're all a part of it. So it's the world we live in, it's the air we breathe, where humanity chose and continues to choose our own way instead of God's perfect plan. And so we're stuck wondering where God even is in the midst of it. And this brokenness is the story of the Old Testament. Everyone gets bent so out of shape about the Old Testament scriptures, and certainly it is confusing at times, all the violence and brokenness present. But in some ways, that's the point. The Old Testament after the creation account is the story of the fall and God's people failing to recover from it. God gave them chance after chance through the covenant and Torah, through kings and prophets, but sin kept hijacking it. They would make sacrifices, offering what they had back to God. God even set up a system for them so they could remember and be who they were as his image bearers, but it was never enough They would always find a way to sin. God's people couldn't find their way back to him no matter what they tried. And maybe you feel that way here today. Maybe you feel stuck or hopeless. Maybe you don't believe God would want anything to do with you. Maybe you have doubts or cynicism, or maybe you've made some poor choices. Maybe you recognize that the world is broken and you're a part of it. Now that's pretty depressing. Uh, thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Remember the word evangelion? Can you say that with me? Was it mean again? Good news. Good news. It's good to know we were made in the image of God. And it's good to acknowledge what I think we all feel, that things aren't as they should be, as hard as it is to acknowledge that. But the next step of the story is where everything changes. And this is really the heart of the gospel. The gospel centers on a person, Jesus, coming to us in the midst of our sin into this broken world. Romans 5:8 says, "But God showed his good God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners." Because we mattered so much to God, he sent Jesus. And there's an awful lot we could say about Jesus, so it's hard to summarize him. Anytime you do it, it leaves you wanting more. But for the sake of time, How many of you have witnessed a baptism before? My sons actually got baptized earlier this month. Uh, Here's a picture of it. It was amazing. In their confession of faith, they said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Those last two names, Lord and Savior, are significant. They show aspects of who he is. In CSF, we believe that Jesus is Lord. God sent his son to live a perfect life, showing us how to live in God's plan, which included sacrificially loving us on the cross and also resurrecting. This is why he is called Lord or King in scripture. For example, in Philippians 2.11, because he is Lord over sin and death. He is our way out of the fall. We follow his leading totally. He is the one that knows the way back to God. But the reality is we are incapable of pulling that off. This is why scripture calls Jesus not only our Lord, but also our Savior, because we are still called to follow God's glorious standard as shown in Jesus. But in Jesus, our Savior, we now have grace when we don't measure up, which we won't. Ephesians 2.8 says, it is by grace you have been saved. See, the good news is all about Jesus himself alive, alive present, someone we can know today, right now. No sacrifices are needed, no rituals. There's no need to wait to clean yourself up. In the midst of our sin, Hebrews 10:19 says to now draw near to Jesus. Think of it. Life with Jesus means you will never be alone again. You may never shake that awkward feeling you get sometimes being around people, but with Jesus, you are always safe and at home it means every time you've tried to get it right and messed up, he is willing to forgive and heal. Meeting Jesus is at the core of what the gospel is all about. And if we take that step of trusting and following him, if we decide to offer our whole hearts and lives to him, the Bible says that everything changes. So this is young me on the screen. Um, Yeah, the, this picture is <laughs> Great. My, my faith story is all about not believing anyone could possibly love me more than love that anyone would like me and discovering that Jesus did and that changing everything. It's always been easy for me to feel a sense of loneliness. Like no one really knows me or wants to. I don't know if you can relate to that. This is just my story. Uh, I've generally felt awkward In big groups, I get anxious before public speaking. So I spent my young life with this wound, trying to find acceptance through relationships and acting stupid in hopes of getting noticed. I got angry as it felt like nothing worked. But when I got to college, there came a point where it wasn't enough. I was in a serious relationship, but I knew the whole time it wasn't at all about the other person, but about me trying to use them for me to feel loved and accepted. It sounds a little cliche, but for real, I felt this constant tug like deep in my chest that if I would just open myself to Jesus, that things would start to change. So eventually after wrestling for quite a while, I think most of my sophomore year, honestly, I gave up and surrendered. And honestly, as I was praying and telling God I was all in with him, I think what I was expecting next was a giant guilt trip about how dumb and insecure I was. But through scripture and prayer, other Christians, and some helpful books, Jesus met me and helped me see that I was loved enough, I was liked enough, that he would die for me. And it did change everything. As I experienced compassion from God, I became compassionate toward myself and others. As I looked at the cross and how God served me so well by dying for me, I wanted to serve others as I saw the impact of my sin, I realized I didn't want to have to have anything to do with anything that wasn't of God anymore. And this is what 1 Corinthians 5.17 talks about. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Scripture's clear that in Jesus, it is actually possible to live in a new way, not in the old patterns we've been stuck in. And it's because of him As we come to know and surrender our lives to Jesus, we discover that God wants to completely undo the fall in us and through us. As we surrender worry and anxiety to him, he puts us on a journey toward peace and trust. As we surrender anger and resentment, he remakes us to love and show grace and compassion like he does. As we hand over our addictions, our lust and greed, he leads us in his perfect plan for us to be self-controlled and holy. He takes our selfish pursuits and gives us noble purpose for the benefit of others. And I love being in campus ministry because I get to see this happen every year in you guys, just like it did for me. Hopefully you still see it in me too now. He loves us so much that he sends his Holy Spirit to help us live in a new way. I so love getting a front row seat to watch it happen in you each year. It's amazing. But of course, this sounds... Amazing, but if you're new, or even if not, you'll see very quickly this year that no one in this community is perfect. Even though we may submit our lives to Christ, all of us wrestle with brokenness in and around us. I still lost my temper last week with my kids, I still struggle with holding grudges. Things are still hard, but life does change in Christ. New life is possible, we can grow in Him toward his plan for us as his image bearers, even in this broken world. And Gretchen will talk about that next week, how we do this best in community. And the promise too in scripture is that this isn't the end of the story. The gospel tells us finally that there is something even better. What we see right now isn't how it will end. The gospel story ends this way. Revelation 21, three through five says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In Jesus, we look forward to an ending that's really a beginning, the renewal of all things, relationships with God where we see him face to face and always remember his love for us relationships with self where we learn we're valuable and known where sin is replaced with courage and trust in God renewal of relationships with others where rather than injustice war grudges and gossip justice and compassion will be the only way forward and even our relationship with creation where sickness famine and cancer are gone this is very good news there's hope in Christ. And now this sounds all well and good. and It could be tempting just to sit around and wait for it. But the invitation, the Christian hope is that we don't sit around, um, that we join with God in the work of renewal as we anticipate Jesus return. All right. So say Evangelion with me one more time. This is the gospel. It's the good news. I just want to say that if you're still trying to figure out who we are, what we're all about, you'll see a lot of stuff we'll be up to this year, and I really hope you'll be a part of it. But ultimately, if we had to boil it down to the one thing we're all about, this is it. We're all about the gospel of Jesus, his story that we get to be a part of. And you can as well, whether for the first time or as you start the semester, you can believe this message of grace, hope, and love. And the center of it really is Jesus himself. In fact, as we close, I want you to think on this wherever you're at in your life. It sounds kind of cheesy. I don't mean for this to sound salesman-y, but I, I really don't have a better way to ask it. So just bear with me here. The question is, have you met Jesus? Do you know him? Not just do you know about him, but have you considered really getting to know him? Because no matter who you are, He is offering life, a better story to you if you'll accept the invitation. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. If this is new information to you, I want to be crystal clear at the outset of your time in CSF. You are always invited to trust in Christ, to trust him as Lord over your whole life and savior. Of your sins and to express that through baptism. If that's you, I'm sure whoever invited you would love to talk to you tonight. Or if you came on your own, I or any of the staff would love to talk to you afterward. If that's not new information, maybe you do know Jesus, then maybe consider how well you know him. Are you growing and sharing your heart and life with him and hearing from him through his word? As you transition in or back into college, does he get the primary seat at your table or are other people? or priorities crowding them out. The beginning of college or even of a new semester is hard and it's so easy to forget the invitation Jesus offers us to a better story in the midst of it all. But this is what we here want to be all about, this good news, and not only for ourselves. Because if this is really news, then it's intended to be shared. We don't keep it to ourselves. Maybe pray about who could use some evangelion Honestly, I doubt there are many people that couldn't use some right now, don't you? We're so glad that you're here, whether for the first time or if you're returning. I hope, and I mean this, I really do hope that we can be a community that is all about this good news, this better story, where we know Jesus and let him shape every aspect of our lives to the point that others see it, hear about it, and respond as well. Let's pray for that. Jesus, we thank you. For this invitation, to know you, to be a part of your story, and God, I, I pray that no matter where we're at tonight, that you would help us to just see the love that you have for us, um, the longing that you have for us. Help us to accept that invitation. Help us to share, uh, to reflect you um, in our lives for those around us as well. And we thank you for for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for your word, and we trust you to lead us. Pray in your name. Amen.